Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter, what a question, and one we probably would ask often ourselves. How many times must we forgive? The person who is always late, tying up our time. How about forgiving the one that can't seem to give you a compliment without it being backhanded in some way, either against you or someone else? How about forgiving someone <clears throat> excuse me, that has wronged us so deeply that it's hard to let go of the hurt and even look at them? How about the neighbor whose dog thinks your yard is his yard? And I'm not talking about it running over to get the ball that fell into your yard. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about if you cut the grass yourself. When I was a kid, 14 or so, we had a neighbor and we had a dog. Well, I was in the backyard, probably with a couple of friends, and our dog was running about. In his running, he thought it was wise, unbeknownst to us, to visit a neighbor's backyard two doors down. Next thing I, next thing I know, <clears throat> Werner, or in proper German, Werner, my neighbor, is stomping toward us. Are you going to clean up what your dog did? Hmm. I'm 14 or so. I don't even clean up the dog's mess in our yard. My natural and sinful instinct response was, uh, no. And he proceeded to stomp back to his garage, grab a shovel, scoop up the mess, and deliver it into our yard about three feet from my feet. To my defense, I confessed, and I told my dad what I had done and what had happened, and, well, we had a good laugh, and I guess he was about 14 years old at that moment, too. The truth of the matter is, my neighbor was wronged, sinned against by me. I should have cleaned up the stinky mess. It was my dog, my responsibility. To add insult, I scorned him laughing at him and his behavior, and went and told my dad, and he was just the oddball German dude, Werner, down the street to us. I could not have stopped the dog. Dogs ran around back then. We had no fence, but I could have apologized for my animal's actions and cleaned up the mess. My sin was failing to protect my neighbor's property, to serve him and taking care of it, then I broke the Eighth Commandment and mocked and laughed at him, making fun of him and his actions before my father. I broke the Fourth Commandment by dragging my dad into my sin and causing him to mock our neighbor as well. I also called, caused Werner to sin. He was obviously angry at the dog, but then at me as he stomped back to his garage for a shovel and back to my yard with it full of, well, you know, and looking back, the whole scene was just a hot mess. Skin, sin, sin screws things up. Skin screws things up too. It destroys relationships or it even keeps them from beginning. I never got to know Werner. He was a bit younger than my parents, had a couple of kids, girls if I'm not mistaken. He took immaculate care of his house and his yard. 
I think he was an engineer. He had two Porsches, probably 356s, in his garage that were not daily drivers. He even possibly brought them from Germany. I was too stupid to realize the dog's mess was mine, and I was supposed, and I was too prideful later to go and tell him I was sorry for not picking it up. He and I were probably a lot alike. He might have liked to talk cars and repair things. We never repaired the sin in that incident. We never spoke. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? With a hyperbolic answer of 70 times 7, Jesus basically tells Peter, stop keeping score, love and serve your neighbor and forgive him, always. Then he follows with the parable of the servant, who after being richly and mercifully forgiven of much, turns to one that owes him far less money and has no mercy for him. He tosses the debtor into prison. What might we pay to God to get out of the debtor's prison? If we were to be tossed into one to pay for all of our filth, we have lain before God. All our sin and unrighteousness against our neighbors and against God's law. Micah says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What is more difficult? Calves a year old, thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of oil, or your firstborn. Or do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. I'm not sure what the calves, rams, and oil might be the equivalent of today, but a firstborn, I have a pretty good idea of the worth of that. God does not want these sacrifices. He wants us to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with Him. In and of ourselves, this is impossible. That is why the law and keeping it and counting is so tempting to use as a tool to justify ourselves before God. But it is useless for justification. That is to create a right standing before God because we can never get it right no matter how hard we try. Sin is so ingrained in our flesh in the old man as we say that we cannot make up the debt. It only comes through a gift of faith. It is a gift that can look at the Werner moments in our life and many much worse and stinky in human terms, and the sin therein, and simply trust that Christ shed his blood for that sin, whatever it be. Trust that we are forgiven, not because we are just, or that we were full of love and kindness, or that even in the moment we were walking humbly with God. No, it's because Christ has done all that for us. His justice, loving kindness, and humbleness before God is imputed to us. It is a gift in ours through faith in Him. What we give God for that is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for the mercy He has shown through His Son, 
Thanksgiving for the gospel of Christ heard and His presence in His sacraments. Thanksgiving for forgiveness of our sins, salvation, and eternal life. In response to all we have been given, we do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God for the benefit of our neighbor. And we do it with the help of God through the Holy Spirit in us, despite our sinful flesh. As God's children who have been baptized into Christ, our Lord works His good and perfect will in and through us, even when we mess up. We battle sin and temptation and return to this place to hear His Word, receive His sacrament, and be strengthened to do the work He has laid out before us in our vocations. Psalm 116 states, What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. With faith in Christ and the righteousness He has won for us, we are truly saints who will have a death that is precious in the sight of the Lord, the Lord God, our Heavenly Father. We are safe in Christ who guards us and keeps us by the Holy Spirit in this truth, in this true faith until life's end, not keeping score and numbers to determine the amount of forgiveness we have, should have, or need to give our neighbor. Jesus forgave it all at once on the cross. His forgiveness is limitless for those who trust in Him. Thank you for this, Heavenly Father. Strengthen our faith and help us to do justice, forgive and love our neighbor as you have forgiven us. Amen.